That completes 20 minutes of silent meditation. If you'd like to, I would encourage you to join me in the serenity prayer, uh, sorry, the third step prayer. We're going to slow it down and actually uh, put a little bit of effort and thought into the prayer as a, as a way of life right now. So what I do is I breathe in the first line of the prayer. I breathe in the word God, God. And I take a few breaths and I try, however I think it's appropriate, to call out or to reach out or to connect with that thing inside of me that I call God or higher power or creative intelligence. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. I offer myself to thee. And I take a few breaths and I examine my commitment for today. How committed am I to the idea of offering myself completely right now, right here, all of me, all of my fears, all of my delusions, all of my self-talking mind, my arms, my legs, my thoughts. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. to take a few breaths and think about what God might want to build with me or do with me today. What that might look like. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Relieve me of the bondage of self. And I take a few breaths and I try to experience right now in this moment, no bondage of self, no self-talking, no opinions, no old ideas, no story. Sometimes I breathe out, relieve me of the bondage of self, and I don't breathe back in right away. I just hold my breath with my breath out and think about the quiet. And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That I may better do thy will.
and I take a few breaths and I just explore the idea of how I might better do God's will without my story, without my opinions, without my old ideas. And I breathe out the next line of the prayer. Take away my difficulties. And I take a few breaths and I think about what are my difficulties today? What's showing up in my life that's blocking me from being the man that God would have me be today? And I breathe in the next line of the prayer. That victories over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And I take a few breaths and I think about the people I might come in contact with today and how I might touch them and the people that they come in contact with. If my difficulties were removed and the bondage of self was relieved and I was actually doing what I think God's will is for me today. And I breathe out the last line of the prayer. May I do thy will always. And whenever you're ready, gently open your eyes. Allow yourself to become aware of the seeing that's happening. There's some seeing happening now. Hi, everybody. It's nice to see you. Although there's a story in that. I like to take a moment and just be aware that I'm seeing and just identify the things that I'm seeing without attaching a story to it with my eyes open. So uh, a meditation of seeing without a story. I see a jacket. I see a door. God, I see a painting. I see a light switch. I see a thermos. I see a person. <laughs> so, so I'm Randy, I'm alcoholic. I'm, uh, uh, I'm allergic to alcohol. I can never ever drink alcohol successfully again, one day at a time, ever, never, ever, because I'm allergic to it. Not because I'm bad or good or because I drank too much alcohol in the past. All of that's true. But the reason I can't drink it today, period, is because I'm allergic to it. Period. If I drink it, I will black out. I will crave more. I will do some crazy things and people will get hurt because of my allergy to alcohol. The reason I'm allergic to alcohol is because I have a disease, the disease that centers in my mind that talks to me in my own voice that's unsatisfiable, 
fault-finding and opinionated, that's always in a hurry, easily frustrated and can't stand the word no. And so, that mind keeps me in a state of restless, irritable, and discontentness. And when I get in enough emotional pain, I'm going to do something to treat the pain. So, I don't think people slip. There's no slip. There's just treating the disease of alcoholism. And I'm going to treat it today. If I don't treat it with 12 steps and a spiritual solution, I will treat it with food. I will treat it with alcohol. I'll treat it with women. I'll treat it with cars. I'll treat it with shopping. I'll treat it with cigarettes. I'll treat it with gambling. I'll treat it with pizza. But I will find something that will shut up my mind. And it's usually doing the thing that my mind tells me is the thing that would make me happy. Except for that that thing is always something that in the end makes me unhappy. So my mind tells me, oh, you just need a couple slices of pizza. Then you'll feel better. And I believe it because it talks to me in my own voice. And why would I lie to myself about pizza? That doesn't make any sense. And it sounds fantastic. What a great idea. I'll eat some pizza. And I eat the pizza. And the same mind and the same voice says, why did you eat pizza? Pizza makes you fat. You don't like being fat. You're already fat. And then I hate myself for doing the thing that my mind told me was the thing that would make me happy. Now I hate myself for doing that. And that's the disease of alcoholism. That's how the disease manifests in my life over and over and over again. And it does it with pizza. It does it with jobs, it does it with money, it does it with cars, it does it with anything that it latches onto and tells me is the thing that would make me happy. As soon as I get that thing, or if I don't get it, it just keeps going on and on about it. But if I do get it, then it turns it around and says, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Why would you do that? And so I have to have a spiritual solution to this problem. I have to have a complete psychic change. I have to have a life where I am no longer energized by my self-talking mind. I've got to find a power greater than the power that I have been using, which is basically rooted in the disease of alcoholism. And so the old power, the one that's built, is this ego. And, and this self, this story that I tell myself that I think I am, which is almost 100% made up based on my perception of what happened at the time of everything that's ever happened to me. But it's all my perception of what happened because everybody that came to that experience had their own perception of what happened in that experience and none of them are the same. So... Uh, so we're talking about ego. We're reading out of Tebow. How many people have never read Tebow before this, this little study that we're starting right now? How many people have never seen it, never heard of it, never read it? A lot of people. Not that many. All right. It's hard to tell because half of you don't have your video on. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I understand if you can't turn your video on because you're at work, that makes sense to me. But if you're going to come to the meeting, why not show up? Turn your video on. Join us. Be part of the conversation. 
Um, I know, this is what I know about myself, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. But when I turn my video off at a meeting, it's because I need to do something that has nothing to do with being at a meeting. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, uh, so we were reading on page 49 in this book, the Tebow paper book, but it's under ego, two definitions, if you have the, if you have a paper version of this somehow that you've downloaded. And uh, at the bottom of the page, I'm going to reread the, the last end of the last paragraph that we read yesterday or last week. Besides egotistical and a series of words mentioned earlier, adjectives that help to round out the portrait of the egotistical person are prideful, arrogant, pushing, dominating, attention-seeking, aggressive, opinionated, headstrong, stubborn, determined, and impatient. <laughs> that's, that's how alcoholism shows up in my life today. One of those, sometimes all of them. So all of these terms are inadequate, however, because they describe only surface features without conveying any feeling of the inner essence from which the ego springs. Unless some appreciation for the source of the ego is gained, the dynamic import is lost and the terms may seem merely a form of name calling. So I got to know why I have this. It's easy to say someone has a big ego without awareness of what it real, what's really happening in the deep layers of that person's mind, of my mind, without perception of the ego. Nor is it a matter of intellect. The need here is to lay hold of the inner feeling elements upon which the activity of the ego rests. Only when these elements become clear can the fundamental basis of the ego be clarified. So I know I'm pushy, I know I'm aggressive, I know I'm headstrong. I think it's because I was taught the early bird gets the worm. Nobody's going to give it to you, you got to work for it. If you want something, you got to go get it. And that's what, those were the messages I got being brought up. It is convenient for the exposition of this inner functioning to reserve, to reverse the usual sequence and to present a conclusion in advance of the evidence on which it is based. This is briefly that the ego is made up of the persisting elements in the adult psyche of the original nature of a child. Certain aspects of the infant psyche may be usefully examined here. There are three factors that should receive mention. The first is, as Freud observed in his priceless phrase, His Majesty the Baby, that the infant is born ruler of all its surveys. I come from the nirvana of the womb, where I am usually the sole occupant, and I cling to that omnip omnipotence with an innocence yet determination that baffles parent after parent. So, I am His Majesty the baby. Unfortunately, I'm a fifty. Uh, I'm a sixty-one-year-old man. 
or 60-year-old man. <laughs> I'm a 60-year-old man running around with a three-year-old infant. Ego that thinks it's the center of the universe and that everything revolves around it. And if somebody laughs in the room, it thinks it's laughing about me. The second stemming directly from the monarch within is that the infant tolerates frustration poorly and lets the world know it readily. So I can look at my life. I tolerate frustration poorly. And when things don't go my way, you're going to hear about it. Whether I'm at a hotel and I don't get the hotel room I want, or I'm at the airlines and I'm not getting the seat I want, or I'm in a class and I'm not getting the seat I want, or I'm at work and I'm not getting the leads I want. Wherever it is that I'm feeling frustrated, I'm going to let the world know about it. The third significant aspect of the child's original psyche is, its, is my tendency to do everything in a hurry. Observe youngsters at the beach. They run rather than walk. Observe them coming on a visit. The younger ones tear from the car while their elder siblings adopt a more leisurely pace. The three-year-olds, and more so the twos, cannot engage in play requiring long periods of concentration. <laughs> Whatever I am doing must be done quickly. As the same children age, they gradually become able to stick to one activity for longer times. But not me as an alcoholic with alcoholism. I don't read the instructions. I go to Ikea and I buy a piece of furniture and I come home and I tear the box open and I start putting it together. And I get three quarters of the way through and I have locked something into something else that was not supposed to be locked. But I refuse to sit and read the instructions because one... I'm smarter than anybody that could have put this thing together to begin with. And two, I don't have time for instructions. And then I'm frustrated. And so what do I do? I go back to Ikea and I don't tell them, look, I was an idiot. I didn't read the instructions and I screwed this thing up and I need to buy another one. No, I go back there and I say, there's something wrong with this. It came wrong. I didn't get all the parts. What's the matter with you people? I hate this store. You better give me a new one. And I shout and I scream and I kick my legs up and I cry and I get them to give me a new free one, knowing inside the whole time that I did it wrong. I glued the piece that wasn't supposed to be glued until the other piece was attached. But I didn't, couldn't possibly know that because the instructions had six steps in it. And I couldn't read the six one-line steps before I put it together because I'm such an infant and I'm in such a hurry all the time. And I think I'm so damn smart. And then when it doesn't go right, I think you're the problem, not me. And this gets me into a lot of emotional pain, even when I get what I want because I still know I'm the liar. I still know I didn't put it together right and I got them to give me a free one. I'm a liar and a cheater and a manipulator and a stealer and I'm going to get what I want and I'm going to get it right away and if I don't, the whole world's going to know about it. I'm going on Yelp. I am the original Yelp. 
<laughs> I am the human embodiment of Yelp as an alcoholic with alcoholism. Okay. So, thus, at the start of the psyche, it's, I'm going to just read a little bit more. We'll go to the next headline. Thus, at the start of my, of life, of the life, sorry, thus, at the start of life, the psyche, one, assumes its own omnipotence, two, cannot accept frustration, and three, functions at a tempo allegrado, with a good deal of staccato and vivant, vivats thrown in. Now, the question is, if the infantile psyche persists into adult life, how will its presence be manifested? If I have an infantile ego, what's that going to look like when I go to Ikea? I've already described it. In general, when infantile traits continue into adulthood, I am spoken of as immature, a label often applied with little comprehension of the reason for its accuracy. It is necessary to link these three traits from the original psyche with immaturity and, at the same time, show how they affect the adult psyche. If this is done, not only will the correctness of the appellation immature be apparent, but, moreover, a feeling for the nature of the unconscious underpinnings of the ego will have been created. You know, in the fifth step, it says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to admit the exact nature of my wrongs. But, but if I don't know what the exact nature of my wrongs are, I think the exact nature of my wrongs is that I get angry. But I don't know that the anger is not the wrong. The exact nature of the anger is that I didn't read the instructions because I was in a hurry because I have an infantile ego. And now I'm mad at Ikea because the piece doesn't work and I paid all this money for it. And I don't even get mad appropriately at the right thing. And now I go out into the world and try to convince the world that Ikea is wrong. Because I'm never wrong. Because I'm the king. I'm His Majesty the baby. I'm never wrong. That's what's so beautiful about the 10th step. The 10th step says, I continue to take personal inventory. And when I'm wrong, I promptly admitted it. Until I've done the first nine steps, I don't know what, I don't, I don't, I don't have the capacity to see that I am wrong. I know that I've done some wrong things, but I believe that I only did them because you were more wrong. I would never have done it if you didn't force me to do it. And so in my omnipotent, frustrated, always in a hurry mind, I've never been wrong. You were always more wrong than me and that makes my wrong okay. And that's a way of life. And I have to know the exact nature of my wrongs. Now, I'm, I'm, I know I've cheered you all up and I've made you all very excited to go out into the day today. <laughs> and I say this whenever we read Tebow, this is depressing. This is very, this is a downer to see that I am 
His Majesty the baby that's always in a hurry and easily frustrated and that's why all my relationships are tattered when I'm living in alcoholism. That's very, that's very depressing. Now, so I, w I will finish with this. There's a program of recovery. If I can see the exact nature of my wrongs and I can admit them to God and to myself and to another human being, I'm going to take great steps towards being free of the bondage of self when I know what it is. And I'm going to be more motivated now, having knowing what I know about myself and the true nature of my disease. I'm going to be more motivated to practice these principles in my all of my affairs. I'm going to be more motivated to pause and find the time to rightly relate myself to my higher power. Because I know if I don't, I'm going to push everyone and everything out of my life. And so that's why I'm here today. And uh, this is actually a, what, what the meeting says is to create an atmosphere where I might have the, uh, where I might have the uh, experience to be able to experience a higher power here in this, in this meeting. So I would encourage you to take a minute or two right now. We'll just take two minutes and rightly relate ourselves to our higher power, right? To be reminded that. I'm the wrong power for my life, to tell my higher power exactly where I'm at right now, what my fears are, what my challenges are, what my day presents. And then that usually takes about a minute and then take a minute to thank God for everything I can think of that needs to be thanked for. And then we'll open the meeting up for sharing. I think that's a little more than two minutes. If you'd like to share, you can raise your hand electronically and, and you'll be able to share. Uh, if you do share, I'm recording this. We're recording this 
this uh, step study thing that we're going to be doing over the next three and a half years. And the if you miss a week, you can always listen to the recording. Uh, if you want to rehear it, you can rehear it. But if you do share, it's going to be recorded and it's going to play back. So I'm just letting you know that. So Johnny B, you are up. Hi, my name is Johnny and I too am alcoholic. Thanks, Hi, Randy. I'm, uh, I'm having an, I just have an incredible life, man. And I got to sit here and laugh so much at the, the stuff you were saying because of the identification. And if I picked up, this is where I am. Nice. Uh, it's a bizarre scene here at the Ronald Reagan library. Uh, I picked up six soldiers this morning at Fort Irwin. Last night I stayed at a Ramada Inn in uh, Barstow. And I swear uh, the disease told me that everybody in that Ramada Inn had a better uh, functioning room than I did. And uh, the, the identification with what Randy said, like my wife won't even mention the word Ikea to me. Because <laughs> it's so hilarious. The point for my life of all this is when this, this is great information to go to another meeting and share and people will be so impressed with me. But as this data comes in and gets internalized, it gives me a great entrance into AA. It lets me see that there's an inner monarch who walks tries to obsessed with divine afflatus tries to float through this world with always expecting an unfair advantage and all of these manifestations that randy read about and talked about are 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 within it but it's not me and the moment i identify those things as happening not as self, but from a place of freedom, I get then the treatment has already started. That because then the separation is occurring and I can turn to a power that's not self. What, what was described is an excellent reason why the power of self is the wrong Lord for my life. Right? All of those things make for an unmanageable inner life you know and is it a big deal not one at a time but man you put together a life fueled by all that stuff it's it's just a hunger it's a crappy way to live while you're dying so uh thanks so much yeah you just totally i don't find it depressing i find it super entertaining so thanks for uh cheering me up today have a great day guys i love you Thanks, Johnny. Alana. Hi, everybody. Alana, alcoholic. Hi, Alana. Um, it's great to be here. Um, I was actually planning on going to a meeting tonight and not this meeting, but um, I got off to a rocky start this morning. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, again, totally related to, to the reading, and I'm so glad I'm here today because... Um, you know, I started out the day and I meditated and I prayed and I did some yoga and it's Saturday. So, 
you know, for fun, I ride horses competitively. So my horse was injured like a month ago. He pulled his groin muscle. So I've spent like the last month and a lot of money cold lasering this muscle and I was just getting him back into work and I arrived at the barn late because my trainer had me run an errand and then she was in a rush so she was rushing me the horse spooked she yanked him hit him in the face he went rearing backwards and came out lame and I'm like back at square one so I was trying to contain myself (laughs) and you know I was like I'm not gonna blow blow this blow this up right and uh, I'll you know I'm just gonna leave the barn and go do something else you know so so I, I'm like well maybe I need to buy something like Chris, Christmas tree and get in the spirit blah 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 so you know I go into Lowe's and no one's there no one's working no one's helpful no one's gonna help me get a Christmas tree so I start going into this call the manager over and you know, this whole queen baby thing, right, that you just described. And it was, you know, it was actually a self-soothing thing. I was looking to buy something to get myself into the holiday spirit and cheer myself up. And, you know, it just kept going down that queen baby path, worse and worse as the day went on. So so I got back home into my little home office. And I'm like, oh, and the alarm went off for... Um, this meeting and I was like that's what I need mm-hmm. and it was in it's just so funny that I you know it described my personality to a T and the way I was managing my day from you know from like something you know who knows what happened it's it's an accident you know and and stuff happens and it, and somebody reacted and you know it was inappropriate but you know I can't blow the blow my whole deal move my horse you know, berate her, blame her, you know, that kind of thing. And I also can't really um, go shopping and self-soothe because that's not, as you say, it's a temporary, it's a temporary fix. It's really not going to, you know, maybe for five minutes I'll be happy when I light up the tree or whatever. But it's, you know, I'm just going to be, you know, 400 bucks poor and it's going to be like five minutes of gratification. So um, I'm so glad that I heard that and um, it, it switched my perspective on how to manage a situation, the bigger situation, which is my injured horse. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm very happy that I heard it and it gave me, you know, perspective shift on that so that I can manage it much better uh, going forward. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks and everyone else who shares. Thanks. Great. Scott. Thank you so much, Randy. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Scott. Scott, with definitely an alcoholic mind. The drink is no longer the problem. The mind, oh my God, sure is. Um, I want to share with you some um, prayers. <laughs> and... Um, Thank God, God helped. So I was, I am possessed with putting up Christmas lights this year. You know, how much is enough? So are the colors right? So I start putting them around the second floor uh, roof line on the tall ladder. Well, that's not good enough. I need to put them up even higher. So I get a second ladder and climb up on the second roof. 
and I'm on the roof, but the ladder starts sliding, hmm. and I'm now in a position I can't get back down. So I only have a bag of a couple tools and masking tape and things like that, and I I can't get help because <laughs> I'm so high up. And so I start looking in the bag, and the masking tape can help with a ladder. And it's a sliding ladder in two pieces. And the first top piece is sliding off. I'm just in a real predicament. And the prayers really help that the masking tape helped the ladder from sliding apart. And I took a chance with that first step, and it felt secure. I took a chance for the second step and I could feel the ladder sliding. And I quickly said, I gotta get down real quick. So fortunately I did not help myself, but I still want to put up more Christmas lights. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Shakith. Hey, my name's Shakith. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Shakith. And um uh, I just, uh, no, I was, uh, I was thinking how when I'm right, I feel like I can act any way I want. <laughs> you know, uh, I can, you know, but people are throwing parties. They, they know after 10 o'clock, they're not supposed to be making noise. And here I am, you know, I, I've, I've, I've Googled how many decibels they're supposed to be able to, you know, how loud they're able to be. And I totally know that the, what they're doing is wrong. And so, you know, I call the police to, 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 to turn down their music and then they turn it down when the police comes and then they leave and then they turn it back up. And then I turn it back down again. You know, I call, well, what's wrong with you guys? I did, you know, every time you leave, they, they, they turn it back up. And you see this, and I'm right, right? Because I've, I've looked up the codes and, and, and know how loud it should be after 10 and, and it, it, I just can't believe how wrong they are, you know. And uh, you, you mentioned, you know, you know, you're talking about the ego just in general, and it, it just reminded me how it's a one-way mirror. It's a one-way mirror that only can see out. And my mind races in elation, in, in compulsion, and nothing good comes out of compulsion for me because that's that's untreated alcoholism. Even if I'm right, you know, I'm checking to see whose cars are out there, what's going on, and all of this stuff is, is and then I'm right, you know. So I get real omnipotent. Omnipotence. You mentioned omnipotence, and I was like, oh. And omnipotence means I think I am God. I think I'm God. And you see, I'm bodily and mentally different from my fellows. And I, even if I'm right, and I'm participating in this behavior and whatnot, and, and, and even if I get them to turn down the music, I have like a hangover after doing this. And here it is. All I'm trying to do is, 
you know, hey man, it's it's, it's not okay that you're doing this, and it, you know, it's just so wrong. And I and I'm really getting hurt inside because nobody's doing what I want. I, I want I want to control them, and, I, and 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 you know, it's just not right. You know, it's just not right. And I and I get so hurt inside because I want to play God. I want to be omnipotent. That word struck to me, and because as soon as I start becoming omnipotent, all the other stuff, untreated alcohol, all the other things you said, they all come floating in. You see, and I and it and it just and it just goes to show, you know, if I ask for help, and I I see I don't have to do anything because people don't make that much noise every day; they make it once in a while. And if I if I ask for help, I get to see people when when they walk up to me and and they say, you know, hey, you know, I I play music or or they have a friendly conversation with me. I don't have to see people as enemies. And you know, I can talk to other people. I've talked to other people about noise and whatnot, and I've, and I've understood. And I'm and I'm. It's hard for me to accept that my neighborhood is going through a change where it's not the same as it was. But when I go to a God, I get to see that, you know, there's there's potential for friends here, not enemies. Something I couldn't even fathom. And the thing is that I don't need to be right, that I can just be happy. And uh, that I don't have to run around playing God and acting like I know what everybody should be doing. Mm-hmm. And... Even if the noise is irritating, but me getting into that space and starting to obsess about what they're doing and how I can stop causes me more pain than just actually if I if if, if they just if they just if, if, if they even if they persist, keep making noise. If I'm talking to a power, I stop hearing that noise in my space. So little by little, I, I, I keep finding out that I don't have to be right. You know, I can choose to be happy today. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Shakita. Didi. You have to unmute yourself, Didi. Here, try now. Okay, I was trying. Of course, I took it personally. You really didn't want to hear me, but Uh you were playing. I was just kidding. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding that way. Uh, uh, the alcoholic and drug addict. I just want to say thank you, but I, uh, I was struck by you mentioning the people that turn their video on and off. And uh, I'm, I'm one of those that sometimes I put it off because I have my dog keeps coming around. But then I was like, I was watching the the people that left once you said that, and I'm like, okay, so at least I'm not leaving. But it was great because you know you you say things that go through my mind, but also you know the thing about staying present is, um, I'm sorry, I have this dog staring at me. The thing about staying present is like I could be present, like you were saying that, and and then I was like. Well, but I could always check Instagram while I'm on my phone while you're saying that. And, you know, like, as soon as you said that, it's like the pizza. Oh, you know, that sounds good to have for dinner. Like, 
it just goes like right away. Oh, but that's not what I wanted for dinner tonight. And like a whole conversation and you just like, it's so like weird. But you know what I really love is that about this meeting, like, it, like when it says about not just having another meeting is to practice these principles. Like, I don't think this meeting will be the same if we didn't meditate first. I, I don't, you know, honestly, that's why I keep coming back to this meeting because it's that meditation that even though, you know, I feel maybe off on the meditation and then I get off to like, you know, uh, thinking about pizza for dinner, I still meditate it. I, I, I still am reminded that it is about staying in the now. Even if I, you know, I'm speaking at a meeting at four and I'm thinking, how do I... I don't want a drunk clock. I don't want to like qualify it on, you know, my story. But how do I tell people it's about staying in the now when, you know, well, they might be sharing and I might be buying an Amazon, you know, like there's something about Zoom too. Like, you know how many things I bought on Amazon where people are like pouring their heart out. I'm sorry, you know, but it's the truth, you know, but you know, it's the willingness to like hear that it is about staying in the now and, there's nothing more than I want to be in the now. I mean, honestly, you know. So anyway, I'm glad you have this meeting. I'm glad that, you know, you keep saying your truth. And I'm glad I keep saying mine. So anyway, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Didi. Great to see you. Heli. Hi, everyone. Um I, I had to laugh because Ikea is the one thing I actually read the instructions for. <laughs> but inevitably, I put something in re in reverse and have to undo it, and I get frustrated. And one time I put something together, and there was something wrong <laughs> with the assemblage. But, you know, I was so self-righteous, you know, when I had to make that call. Um, but there is something in my life that I'm building through a digital platform and there's a lot of support articles and at least a dozen times I've gotten to a step where what I'm seeing in the instructions either visually or written instructions does not match what's going on in this process for me and I get really like queen baby shows up and I'm like but I'm following the instructions and but what it does is reinforce my ego's position that something outside of me is the only problem. And it, I'm like all over that, like white on rice, you know, but, but it's in my family. Um, I know it's not who I am, but it's certainly here with me. And, you know, I've been spending a lot of concentrated time around some family members who are genetically, you know, related to me. And I can see that that is their operating system 24-7. There's no recovery. And to be on the receiving end of that has been painful because I can see that they're not relating to me. <laughs> There's this disease in between us. And, you know, I can see their dependency on other people, places, and things rather than, you know, being with the self that's capable of being responsible, you know, for reactions and thoughts and attitudes and all that stuff. So I am very grateful 
member of the 12 step rooms, but you know, if you spot it, you got it. Um, it's very humbling. And as depressing or sobering as the Tebow papers Mm -hmm. can be, I feel restored to sanity, you know, when we read this, um, Yeah, to just to be able to understand that that's the ego position, that something outside of me is the problem. It's not me. <laughs> um, to be able to take responsibility for that, I find a lot of freedom in that. I've like healed a lot of layers of that, but it's not gone. You know, I don't think it ever really goes away, but I have breathing room around it. <laughs> and when I don't have any breathing room, then I know that I absolutely need God's help. There's no way out of it. That's my only choice and my only recourse. And thank God for that because it works, you know? So, I don't know. I think we're pretty lucky here. Yeah. Thanks, Haley. Uh, Roy's going to share for a minute. Hey, everyone. Roy Alcoholic. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how Harry Tebow, I've never met the guy and he knows me so well. You know, um, and uh, it's just like Johnny says, it's it's great to, you know, it's painful to hear, but it's great to hear because I get to be reminded of who I am. And if I don't know who I am, then I can't treat my disease. So it's a really important thing. Um, But it's like all those, you know, all those things that you read off, you know, that I'm easily frustrated and, you know, I could be talking to someone and I could be doing all those things. And what's even worse is that I, I take pride in the fact that I am smarter than you, that I know better. It's really weird. Like I have like layers of ego on top of ego. You know, it's not just enough that, um, like it, it's not, it's not blind on me. Like, I, like, yeah, I'm smarter than you. And, 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 uh, I know that I'm smarter than you and like I start talking to myself like my alcoholism runs so deep that I'm I I take pride in those those things that um are making me alcoholic um and uh that's definitely not good (laughs) you know um so uh you know I got it's great to hear because uh, I forget that that's who I am a lot. And um, every time I read Harry Tebow, it, uh, it's, it's perfect for me because, you know, the, those attributes, that's who I am. They don't go away. However, I get to have application right here right now today and I can treat that you know um and hopefully uh I can be less prideful thanks thanks Roy Jeff hi I'm Jeff I'm alcoholic hi Jeff hi everybody um just uh was reminded just listening to, to reading this piece today and then hearing everyone else that um, you know, one of the biggest attributes of my um, disease is impulsiveness. Like I want all the rewards without having to put any of the work in, right? 
And when I look back at my recovery or anything, I want it to be a partner in my firm without having to go through all the steps of what it means to become a partner in my firm. And when I had 30 days of sobriety, I wanted 90. And when I had 90, I wanted a year. And when I had a year, I wanted five years. And when I had five years, and uh, I do not like going through the process. I just want to reap the rewards. I just want to experience and enjoy the built cabinet. I do not want to sit down and have to put the cabinet together, you know. And I, uh, I related to that. I mean, I'm <clears throat> it just it takes too long. Right. I just want I want the cabinet. I want the TV in the cabinet. I want to be able to enjoy the TV in the cabinet. I don't want to have to put the thing together. I don't want to, have to unpack it. I don't want to get rid of the boxes. And how hard could it really be? You know, it's intuitive. Right. And the interesting thing is. Um, and my grandfather was not an alcoholic. He did not drink excess. Maybe he had alcoholism. And maybe it manifested in other ways. But around Christmas time, you know, everyone would stay up. The kids would go to bed and they put all the Christmas presents together after everyone went to bed. And maybe they had a few too many pops. He's from Eastern Europe. So he'd have some um, something called Slivovitz, which was this plum brandy. It's like engine degreaser, terrible stuff. And he put together all the presents and he'd get frustrated putting together the presents and the next morning, we, the kids, we'd all get up and go to the Christmas tree and there'd be these like misshapen things like these, this desk that had this, the screws were too long. The screws were meant for the legs of the desk, not for the top and the de- top of the desk, you know, the wood laminate would be broken, th- right? The veneer. We all laughed. If something wasn't, if it, something wasn't being moved, like he would just pull harder, easily frustrated, you know? And I just thought, that's just my family. That's just how we are. I'm just easily frustrated. I pull hard. My father's not like that. I'd say, just eat, relax. Don't, if it doesn't come out, don't pull harder. That's not the solution. There's a reason it's not, you know? And uh, something Didi said, you know, um, about being in the now, I would say that the problem with me is being in the now with an untreated mind is incredibly uncomfortable. And uh, I just thought, you know, early on, uh, I had no awareness of this and I was seeing a, a psychiatrist and I wasn't telling him how much cocaine I was doing. And he's like, well, you've got ADD. You've got ADD. You drive fast. Absolutely. You, you, you know, channel surf. You can't sit. Absolutely. When people are talking to you, do you zone out? You forget what they're saying. How you go like, you leave? that's me. I've got ADD. So there it was. I've got ADD. Are you always late because you don't plan enough time? You don't want to sit and wait anywhere? Absolutely. I could not be comfortable just being, you know, just being because my mind is loud. And um, the last thing I'll say, I know we're completely out of time, but early on last year, my daughter ordered a desk. I know you were, it was a Saturday and I went into the city to help her put together this desk in her new apartment. And I got there and it was 30 or 40 pages of instructions, all kinds of little bits and pieces, all these different boards and things. And I looked at it and I thought, oh my God, how am I going to do this? And you were talking and I had my phone going and I thought, well, let's practice this. God and I are going to put this together today. 
God is going to help me read the instructions. God's going to slow me down. We're going to do it together. And I did it. And I followed those instructions. And I put that thing together. And uh, it was the first time I've ever followed the directions. Mm. And it, you know, and it came out really nice. And it wasn't easy. And it took hours. And it was the exact thing I hate doing. I hate folding laundry too, by the way. Hate folding laundry. Um. Anyway, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Wow. Thank you all. That was a great meeting. I appreciate you all so much. It's amazing to me that one of the... the, I think the best part of this meeting is the meditation. uh, All the rest is... It's it's important. We got to talk about stuff. But the meditation is why I come to this meeting. Uh, and why I have this meeting is so that I will meditate. If one of you will show up, I will show up and I will meditate. If nobody shows up, then it's going to be a struggle for me to meditate because I don't do well on my own. I need help. And uh, and y'all have been helping me do that for years now. And I appreciate you for that. But it is a, a one of the steps of the program. <laughs> and it's amazing to me how little... It's done in the program, how little meditation happens and how little talk there is about it and how little, it's a whole step. It's all through prayer and meditation, period. That's it. And that's after I've cleaned away all the other stuff. All that's left to do is prayer and meditation continuously in this moment to keep improving my conscious contact with my higher power right now. That's it. And then to do what I think it would have me do. And if I will do that, it will give me the power to do it, which is crazy. I don't even have to, I don't, it, I can be tired because God's going to give me the power to do God's will. So it doesn't matter if I slept good last night or I didn't. All the power that I need to do what God would have me do today is going to be supplied by God. How crazy is that? There's no more excuses. I can't do it. I'm too tired. Oh, no. I have I have access to all knowledge and all power today. We're going to we're going to tap into that and stop making excuses. Anyway, I appreciate you all. Um thank you. Have a great day today and uh I'll see you soon. If you want to listen to this or any other recording, they're on uh there's a website randymermel.com. It's pretty simple. And if you click on that website, it'll have a link for listen. And then you click on listen and it'll take you to any of the, of the, the, uh, uh, what are they called? Uh, streaming sites where you can stream this. Okay. That's enough. Enjoy yourselves. I appreciate you. We'll take a moment and do the, a moment and then I'll make it so you can unmute yourselves and we'll do the serenity prayer together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change, and the wisdom to Thank you, Randy. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Randy. Thank you. Thank you.